0: thus it is and and we cannot alter it for men fashion numenor men whose heroes of old they sing of of their women we hear less save that they wept when their men were slain numenor was to be a rest after war but if they weary of rest and the plays of peace soon they will go back to the great play manslaying and war Hey there, children. Welcome back. Children? (laughs) It's a cult, don't you know? We're the fathers
1: of a cult. Gotcha. Yeah. Welcome to Keep on Tolkien, guys. Hey, guys. Welcome back. I'm Joel N. And I'm Danny J. And today we've got a pretty exciting episode. Yeah, I would call it obscure. Would you say this is the most obscure
0: story we've covered yet?
1: Yeah, of the official stories, yeah, this is definitely more obscure. I mean, it's out of the unfinished tales. Yeah. So, by definition, guys, spoiler alert,
0: this tale is not finished. So there's no real ending to this story, but there's a lot of details that lead up to the end.
1: Yeah, and it's a really cool story because it's one of the only stories we get out of Numenor. Yeah, it's
0: actually the only surviving, even somewhat intact tale of Numenor. That's not like a broad
1: history of the island. And of course, we're talking about
0: Alderian the Mariner.
1: I think in The Unfinished Tales, it's called Al- Alderian and Arendis. It's
0: called The Story of Alderian and Arendis, The Mariner's Wife. And yes, it is in The Unfinished Tales. And like we said, it starts. It takes place in the Second Age, which Second Age Numenor. So today we're going to be referring to some places and things of Numenor. So if you want to know more about that, you could go back to last season and listen to part one of our Kingdoms of the Dunedine series. Oh, yeah. And learn all about the geography
1: and history of this lovely little island where this story takes place. We were really big fans of the uh, <laughs> the Kingdom of the Dúnedain. Yeah, series. Yeah, I think it's awesome. Like, I listened to it. Super proud.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's great, guys. Go back and listen to the Kingdoms of the Dúnedain. We did a lot of research for that, and it
1: was it was really fun. Yeah, I think that's just one that we really enjoyed doing. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why we like it so much. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Alderian and Arendis. So let's start with who Aldarion is. Alderian, well, he's the sixth king of Numenor. And he's also the son of Tar-Meneldur,
0: he founded the Guild of Venturers, and he's the father of Tar and Kalime. And who was she, Joel?
1: She was the first ruling queen of Numenor. Hell yeah. She was, uh, let's see, she was number eight in terms of their rulers, but she was the first female ruler. And we'll find out why that is. Yes. Uh, let's get into
0: some names for Eldarion, because like many Tolkien characters, he's, uh, he's named something in the beginning and never called that again for the rest of the story. So his true name, Enardil uh, another name, Tar Eldarion, Tar and also Anardilia.
1: Some of the titles that he got along the way were The Mariner, Lord of Ships and Havens of Numenor, and The Master of Forests. So
0: basically, like what we said in the beginning, the pretty much the only source material we used for this episode is the story of Aldarian and Arendus, the Mariner's wife, that is found in the Unfinished
1: Tales. Yeah, there isn't much information about this elsewhere online. We usually do a lot of yeah. online research. We do a lot of stuff. yeah
0: cross uh, <laughs> cross. Uh, research where you know we find stuff online and then look back at it in the book but there's really nothing online to to refer to for this story it's it's pretty sparse so it was a fun one to write let's get into the early years aldarian he was born in the year second age 700
1: he was the son of tar meneldur his father and elmarion now tar meneldur he never really Gave much of a shit about the sea. He was uh, more interested in the heavens and the stars. Yeah,
0: really into staring up into the sky, as it were.
1: Even built a tower in the northern region of Forestar, and it was for the purpose of observing the stars.
0: Yeah. And Almarian. Almarian. Is that how you say it? I would say Almarian, right? Almarian. Yeah, Almarian. Uh, she's the daughter of Vantur, who is the captain of the king's ships under Tar Lindale. And uh, yeah, so that was Aldarian's grandfather, and Aldarian was very close with him, as we'll learn in a little bit here.
1: Yeah, they both had a really strong love for the sea.
0: Yeah. He also had two sisters, which is, uh, they're scarcely mentioned, but they have names.
1: Yeah, I was kind of surprised to see that, actually. Once again, just two more uh, <laughs> female characters that I didn't know were there.
0: And that is Alienel and Almiel. And Almiel actually had a son, uh, Seranto, but uh, we'll talk about him a little bit later because he comes into a little bit of the stickiness that this story gets into.
1: So Aldarion himself, he grew up swift and strong, like the Dúnedain of this age often did. Like we mentioned back in the Numenor episode, after they were the Edain were given the island of Numenor, they became the Dúnedain or the Dúnedain, and they were gifted with a, a larger stature and yeah. super extended lives.
0: Super extended lives; they don't get sick.
1: They were smart as hell. They are just really big. Yeah.
0: yeah. They were men at their best. And here's a little excerpt from the Unfinished Tales about that.
1: Aldarion, for so he was called in all tales, grew swiftly to a man of great stature, strong and vigorous in mind and body, golden-haired as his mother, ready to mirth and generous, but prouder than his father and ever more bent on his own will.
0: Yeah, as you hear in that little uh little snippet there.
1: He was never super close with his father, Meneldur. Yeah, they didn't have many common interests and they didn't always see eye to eye either.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just kind of never understood Eldarian. Like you'll see you'll see as the story goes uh goes along, and he just they're not on the same page about
1: pretty much anything. However, he did get along very very well with his grandfather van tour and he had a dope dope house on the southern
0: firth of uh the the haven's town the port town uh romana and it had like its own little bay where like there was a bunch of ships moored and uh tr- van tour always traveled by water if he could so like even if it was cl- closer and easier to get there by road he would sail along the coast to get there instead yeah
1: he was a sailor <laughs> he had that love for the sea that Alderian also had yeah hence why they got along so well
0: and uh, Vayentor taught m- uh, much of the craft of shipbuilding and sailing to Eldarion. And he took to it really well. He yeah, he was, got really good at it. Yeah, kind of a prodigy. Here's a little quote from uh, The Unfinished Tales about that. Before he was full grown, he could captain a ship of many men sailing from haven to haven.
1: Yeah, that's really saying something. That's a talent. Yeah.
0: And they consider full grown 25. So I figure he's like okay. a teenager.
1: So when his uh, teenage years or his... Twins, yeah,
0: and like we said, Menel Duer never understood the whole shipfaring, ship, seafaring, and shipbuilding game. He wasn't a fan of it, but he also, at the same time, didn't hinder Eldarian in doing
1: so. No, he was actually excited that Eldarian found something that he liked to do.
0: Yeah, I think they have kind of the same relationship that like Hank and Bobby Hill have, <laughs> <laughs> because like. Hank is definitely a mental doer. Like, he's very, like, you know... Let's, propane. Yeah, propane. The stars and stars' accessories. Let's look toward the heaven. Propane gas. Yeah, that's him. But he's <laughs> he just doesn't really understand his son, and he kind of, he's happy that he found something that will occupy yeah, his time. Yeah, a
1: positive outlet. Yeah. I just don't understand how you can't be somewhat into seafaring and being a mariner when you live on an island. Right. I don't know. I mean, that's kind of how um,
0: people are with space exploration these days. A lot of people don't give a shit about space exploration. They live on a goddamn planet floating through space.
1: Yeah, but a uh, planet's a lot larger than an island. I
0: just feel like... Not, not in the grand scale of things, Joel. Space is huge. It's a tiny speck in space. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Read Carl Sagan's The Pale Blue Dot, Joel. I concede. <laughs> <laughs> you have won me over with your superior logic. All right, let's get back into Aldarian.
1: So Aldarian's first voyage, it was when he was about to come of age, like we said, about when he was about to turn 25. His grandfather, Vayantur, that's how you say it, right? Van Tour?
0: Van Tour. That's how I say it, yeah.
1: So his grandfather, Van Tour, came to him with a really cool idea because, as it turns out, Van Tour was actually getting into what they call his twilight years. So he was getting basically to, like, Numenorean retirement.
0: Yeah, he's 200-some
1: years old. He, yeah. So his grandfather suggested that they take a voyage together, sort of a celebratory voyage for both of them, coming of age and retiring. And we've got a little excerpt about that. I have in mind a way to market it fittingly. My own years are far greater, and I do not think that I shall often again have the heart to leave my fair house and the blessed shores of Numenor, but once more at least I would ride the great sea, and face the north wind and the east. This year you shall come with me, and we will go to Mithland, and see the tall blue mountains of Middle-earth, and the green land of the Eldar at their feet. Good welcome you will find from Cirdan the Shipwright, and from King Gilgalad. Speak of this with your father. So here we just see uh, Vantur basically proposing the idea to him. Come over to Middle-earth and let's meet the the freaking king of the Eldar over there.
0: And also... You'll notice we name
1: dropped
0: Cure Dan the shipwright. Oh yeah, so we've we, been
1: we've been lacking on our Cirdan references throughout I, the uh, the beginning of this season yeah. and late last season. Yes,
0: I would say that we have around thirty episodes that talk about Cirdan at least once.
1: We try to shoehorn him in pretty much anywhere we can when we it's can remember fun, to. Because it's not easy, it's not hard to shoehorn him into things.
0: Because he's got his hands right. He's in I mean, he's
1: literally in Middle Earth throughout every single story. That happens while the Earth is kind of a thing. Yeah, and this story is no exception. Curdan comes into this one too, guys.
0: So Eldarion goes to ask leave of his father to take the voyage to Middle-earth with his grandfather. Uh, Meneldur does not really want to let him go. Uh, He has a bad feeling about Eldarion taking to the sea.
1: Like we said, he's not much into the whole sailing business. Mm
0: -hmm. But he looked at his son's eager face and gave in. And this is what he said. Do as your heart calls, Anya, he said. I shall miss you sorely, but with Veintur as captain, under the grace of the Valar, I shall live in good hope of your return. But do not become enamored with the great lands. One day you must be king and father of this isle.
1: So his father finally gave him leave to to go on this trip.
0: Yeah, I don't understand what your little weird hobby is, but go on your little field trip.
1: I mean, I can see how that'd be kind of nerve-wracking your kids going off for a couple years, because, I mean, a marining adventure is a long time.
0: Yeah, that's true. It's years.
1: So in the spring of the year 725 of the Second Age, Alderian and Vantur set sail to Middle-earth. And they do it in this dope-ass ship called Numerimar. There you go. There's a lot of M's and R's and M's.
0: Yeah, but that means West Wings. West Wings, like the
1: show, The West Wing. I have a feeling it's nothing like the show, The West Wing. So Martin Sheen isn't president then? Not of Numenor. Damn. Not on this ship.
0: I think if we dreamcast this, we're going to cast Martin Sheen as tel- uh, Tar Metal Doer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to picture that. <laughs> the look that Joel just gave me was priceless. God, I wish this was television.
1: The wheels are turning, I'm considering.
0: So uh, one of the things that Eldarion uh, was prided himself on is he kept extensive records of all the journeys that were all the journeys that he ever went on, and they were all preserved in uh, Romana until the downfall, where they were all lost. For more
1: on the downfall,
0: refer back to Kingdoms of the Dunedain, Part One, Numenor.
1: Yeah. So ultimately, there isn't much known of his first voyage to Middle Earth, other than that he made friends with Gilgalad and cured on the Shipwright. He also journeyed pretty far in, in Linden and into the western part of Eriador, so he went inland a pretty good ways, too. Yeah. He got a good feel for the land, but he didn't return for more than two years. And this
0: delay was uh, chiefly due to the fact that Eldarian was learning every fucking thing he could from Qudan, the shipwright, who was the man.
1: Goddamn right. Yeah, who better to sit down and try to learn from?
0: Yeah, especially if you're into the whole ship building thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, Círdan was th- one of the first elves to ever reach the sea, and yeah. he just stayed there the he whole just time. He stayed there, yeah. And he's just been doing that ever since the elves reached the sea. So as long as it, the elves have been sailing ships, Kirdon has been there. Building them. Building them.
0: We're going to try to not make this episode about
1: Círdan. It's just exciting that we finally <laughs> get to talk. This is probably the only story where he is this heavily involved. True, yeah. Like, the, he's such a side character. <laughs> Like, he's only, like, ever mentioned in most other places, but... Yeah,
0: he's the best auxiliary character of all time, in my opinion. Anyway, Alderian. So, there was great joy in uh, Romana and Armenelos when they saw the ship come over the horizon as they were returning. Uh, Meneldur was happy to see his son, but he noticed a difference in him. He seemed to have an improved, like, physical stature, like he was a stronger man. And his eyes were brighter, yet... They kind of had like a thousand yard stare. Like they kind of looked far. They were looking past you. They were looking things far away.
1: It kind of sounds like a similar thing uh, like when the elves see the light of the trees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's this sea longing deep down in your soul. So ultimately when he gets back from this first trip, he's just totally sold about this whole marining thing. It's, yeah, it's, that's what he's going to do with his yeah, life. It's him now. But now he's back, and his grandfather, Vantur, never set sail again. Like he said, that was kind of his last trip before retirement. Mm-hmm. His grandfather even gave Eldarian Numerimar as a gift. He wasn't going to use it.
0: Right, he was done sailing.
1: And Eldarian uh, really tries to be a normal Numenorian
0: prince, but uh, it's never for him, and he's always looking toward the sea. He's got
1: that sea longing, always.
0: It's just too much. Within three years of being home, Eldarian was begging to leave
1: again. But he's also considered a full-grown adult now, so he can kind of do what he wants.
0: But he's always got to make sure his dad is cool with it, because you don't want to sail away. You'll, you'll, yeah, like, you don't yeah. want to sail away without the blessing of the King of Numenor. Right. Well, I guess he's, uh, Meneldor's not king at this point. He's the king's heir. But still, he's uh, he's the king's heir, and he's also Aldarion's father. Yeah, so you've got to be respectful. Honor thy mother and father. <laughs>
1: But ultimately, uh, after being back for three years, he, f- he gets leave to uh, go out on another sail. Yeah, and he
0: goes back to Lindon, and he's gone for three more years. <laughs> and then he gets back,
1: and what does he do? He leaves again, almost immediately. And this time he's gone for four years. Yeah, and now he's getting pretty good at the sailing thing. And he get- he's not content with just sailing to Mithland he travels even further south along the coast of Middle-earth. He goes all the way down to the mouths of the Baranduin, which is the Brandywine. So this is kind of getting down the southern side of Ariador, right? Mm-hmm. Along the coast. And he even makes it all the way down to the Bay of Belfalas. And he goes and hangs out with the Nandor down in Amroth. Yeah, yeah.
0: And these are all areas later that become the north and south kingdom. Yeah,
1: they become part of the kingdom of uh, Gondor.
0: Yeah. Eldarion comes back to Numenor when he's thirty nine years old in eight, in uh, SA seven thirty nine. And he comes with gifts from Gilgalad to his father, because in the following year Tar Lendil
1: was going to relinquish the scepter to his son Meneldur. And he was named king as Tar Meneldur. Anytime anybody becomes king you get the title Tar, the tar. which is a quenya prefix, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And Eldarin, he stays at home for some time
0: because his dad is king now and he's like, you know, I want to you know, be home. And- yeah, I'm sure there's a
1: lot of stuff going on for them. He's part of the royal family directly yeah. now.
0: But while he's at home, he's lab- he labors to make greater vessels and to improve all the havens of Numenor. Because one of the main things he was um, um, asking Cirdan about was uh, how to build seawalls. To to like build bigger cities on the on the coast, oh, so okay. you know the water wouldn't get. So not
1: just about ships, but just living on the shores. In yeah, general. yeah, building havens in general, on the coast.
0: Yeah. But building ships and improving havens was not good enough. And the sea longing got to him, and he set sail yet again.
1: And after that, he just is pretty much constantly going off on different adventures. And uh, eventually, he actually fo- uh, founds something called the Guild of Venturers. Because he's not the only Numenorian that wants to go out sailing. I mean, they're out, they're out on an island. so
0: Yeah, yeah. So there's plenty of people with the sea longing there.
1: And these are some tough fucking
0: Numenorians. These are like. The Guild? Yeah, the oh, Guild. Yeah. They're the toughest people around.
1: They are the Mariners. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're like, they go so far away. Yeah, and when the, we mentioned previously um, about, in the in the Numenor episode, about how when the Numenorians started actually, like, going to all corners of the Earth. Yeah. This is when that kind of stuff starts to happen.
0: Mm-hmm. And there's a great map of it, and Karen Wynne Fonstad's The Atlas of the Middle Earth, which you should all buy on Amazon right now.
1: I actually bought that recently, and it was one of the best books I bought to a company, yeah. especially, like, the Silmarillion, because it's got, yeah, dude. it's got everything in there and if you're a cartography
0: nerd like i am (laughs) you know us cartography nerds um (laughs) it's porn it's it's so good it's amazing there's vegetation maps in there there's
1: elevation maps yeah topographical
0: get it guys seriously karen went is a god but yeah these guild adventurers they all wanted to see the unknown just like aldarian we got a little excerpt from the text about that therefore he formed the guild of venturers that afterwards was renowned to that brotherhood were joined all the hardiest and most eager mariners and young men sought admissions to it even from the inland regions of numenor and Eldarion. they called the great captain
1: yeah they friggin' worshipped him
0: yeah they friggin' worshipped Eldarion.
1: he was the one that started the guild he was the one that kind of initially started going off on all these crazy sailing adventures
0: yeah, and they loved him for it.
1: So during this time, Aldarion uh, constructs a new boat, and it's basically a, a like a, a home base for him, and he can have it harbored anywhere that he wants on the island.
0: Yeah, and he literally lives in the shit, and it's <laughs> it's called Ambar, and uh, it becomes pretty much the ultimate dude cave, and all the adventurers hang out there, and it becomes the guild house of the Guild of Adventurers. Most of the time, it was moored off the island of Tol Uinen. Uh, who is the, you know, the, uh, the Maiar of Ulmo. Check it out in the Valor episode.
1: But uh, Tol Uenon is basically just a, a small island near the coast of Romena. So just off the coast of Numenor. And it was actually placed there by the Maiar we just spoke of, Lady Uenon.
0: Yeah. And in the guild house, uh, known as Aambar/ uh, slash Eldarian's apartment, <laughs> he keeps crazy detailed records of all the journeys that the Numenorians do.
1: Yeah, and while he's building up this, uh, this whole sailing society and going out on all these adventures, he starts to become pretty estranged from his father. And uh, we've got a excerpt from The Unfinished Tales to back that up. Tar Meneldur looked coldly on the enterprises of his son and cared not to hear the tale of his journeys, believing that he sowed the seeds of restlessness and the desire of other lands to hold.
0: And while, while uh, Tar Mettledore is being a dick about his son's passions. He's being unsupportive. <laughs> I'm being unsupportive. His uh, mother is actually very supportive. And uh, Mettledore allows it to continue partly because uh, um, his, wife. his wife wanted him to. Mm-hmm. And uh, partly because the ventures were actually gaining so much esteem in society, it would be an unpopular move to talk shit about them.
1: Yeah, they were like superstars. Yeah. Like sports stars.
0: Yeah, yeah. Kind of like athletes or something. Yeah. Yeah.
1: They're the Rangers of the Sea. Yeah, they become really popular among the people of Numenor. And the uh, the Numenorians actually give them a nickname, the Oenid, um, um, Oh boy. I think it's Uenandili. dili Which uh, means the lovers of Uenand. Yeah, the pop- their popularity kind of made it hard for the king to rebuke the sailing. Because, I mean, he'd have to just rebuke everyone.
0: Yeah, and yeah, he'd have to make an extremely unpopular move. So Alderian is gone most of the time with the Venturers, uh, but while he's gone, uh, Meneldur pulls a, a pretty dick move behind his back.
1: Yeah, so while Alderian is gone with the Venturers on one of their adventures, his father Meneldur puts a ban on the cutting down of all trees on the entire island, which is how the guild makes their boats. Right, you need that lumber to make those boats. Yeah, and this plan backfires pretty hard on Meneldur. Yeah, because
0: Alderian is essentially like, oh, I can't cut down the trees here anymore? Fine, I'll find my own trees. And he, sa- <laughs> he sails <laughs> off to, to Middle-earth to do just that. Just one that. more
1: excuse to go sail over to Middle-earth now. That's where I got to get my lumber. Yeah. And there's actually a lot more trees over there, too. And during this time, Alderian sailed down the coasts of Middle-earth to the mouth of the
0: Guathir River. And this is when he established the Haven of Vinyalande, which means
1: New Haven. So a little later in the year 799 of the Second Age, Meneldur commands his son to stay in Numenor for a while. He gets fed up with all these adventures and he straight up uses his kingly power to command that his son stay in Numenor. And he does this uh, because he means to
0: name Aldarion uh, the king's heir when Aldarion turns 100 years old, just like his father did for him. And that was in the following year that that was going to happen.
1: Yeah, so they were just one year out from uh, Aldarian's 100th birthday. So that's why he wanted him to make sure he's here because I want you to be here so I can pronounce you my heir when you turn 100. So during this time, uh, Aldarian is stuck back in Numenor. Uh, Him and Meneldoer, they actually get a lot closer, ironically. It uh, actually worked out to the advantage of Meneldoer because, well, I guess both of them. They got a lot tighter. They spent more time together. Yeah. We've got an excerpt from the Unfinished Tales about that.
0: Then Menelduer and his son were reconciled for that time, and there was peace and joy among them. And amid joy and feasting, Aldarion was proclaimed heir in the hundredth year of his age and received from his father the title and power of the Lord of the Ships and Havens of Numenor. So that's when he, he gains that title, Lord of the Ships and Havens of Numenor.
1: Yeah, yeah, power of At this point in Aldarion's life is when we get introduced to Arendis.
0: Here she comes just a walking down the street
1: singing ooh I diddy, My diddy. name is Arendis.
0: That's not what I was That's going to. Oh, That's terrible.
1: Oh man. awful Well, let's cut that Ugh. out. Ooh. Ooh. So during this uh, massive feast that was happening uh when uh, his father announced that he was going to be the heir, a friend of their fathers by the name of Berigar shows up with his daughter Arendus. And they're from the westlands of Numenor, which is uh, more like the farming and pasture, you know, sheep herding area of Numenor. Yeah, they're not from the line of the kings like uh, Altarian and, and his father and his father's father. They're actually from the house of Baor. Right. And we know Bayor, That's where Baron and Bear here are from. Yeah, we love that house.
0: And it was said that Arandas was actually the most beautiful woman in that house since Morwen, who is the we know as the mother of Turin Turambar. And uh, she's actually described as the most beautiful of mortal women, I believe. So Morwen? Yeah.
1: Really? Yeah. She's supposed to be quite attractive. So the house of Beor, they had longer lives than most of the houses of the Edain back in Middle-earth, but nowhere near the uh, length of time that the family of Elros gets.
0: Which is, yeah, a ridiculous lifespan.
1: And that's the family that Alderian belongs to. Yeah, the line of Elros, yeah. So this is uh, just kind of setting things up for trouble.
0: Mm-hmm. And Queen Elmarion, uh, she takes note of her beauty. She says that she ha- she's dark-haired of slender grace with, clear- with the clear gray eyes of her kin. Remember, Morwin was also known for the gray eyes.
1: And Arendis is almost instantly enamored of Alderian as soon as she sees him. An excerpt from The Unfinished Tales. But Arendus looked upon Eldarion as he rode by, and for his beauty and splendor of bearing, she had eyes for little else. So Arendus at this point actually
0: enters the house of the queen, um, and she finds favor with both the king and the queen, but uh, she doesn't see Eldarion all that much. Here's a little excerpt. But little did she see of Eldarion, who busied himself in the tending of forests, being concerned that in days to come, timber should not lack in Numenor. Because that's what Eldarian was up to now. His new hobby while he's at home is
1: making sure the trees are all good so they'll have wood to make their ships. Yeah, it's kind of what he did to uh, deal with the fact that he couldn't sail. I've yeah. really got to keep myself busy.
0: He's really into yeah
1: the forest and reforestation and uh, sustainable. He's the Smokey the Bear of his time. So during this time of not sailing, the guild begins to grow very restless. They were really upset that Darian wasn't commanding them and, you know, coming with them on uh, going out on all of these adventures. They were forced to sail only around the island and the surrounding seas, and they really wanted to make one of their journeys back to Middle-earth. Yeah, they were all
0: about going back to Middle-earth.
1: So six years after Darian is named the king's heir, he finally just becomes determined to return to Middle-earth. He can't handle it anymore. He's got to go out and set sail. So he asks leave of his father, and
0: he gives it begrudgingly. The king wanted him to stay in Numenor to find a wife, because he's getting to be about that age. Um, But Aldarian straight up refuses, says he's not interested in that at this juncture. (laughs) I politely decline your offer, father. I am not interested in wives at this juncture. Thank you very much. But yeah, so he ends up setting sail in second age 806 which is the spring, in the spring of that year.
1: So before he sets sail, he goes to his mother to say farewell, and it so happens that Arendus is with her. And he looks upon Arendus and senses the strength that lays within her. And we've got a excerpt from The Unfinished Tales to back that up. Then Almarion said to him, Must you depart again, Darian, my son? Is there nothing that will hold you in the fairest of mortal lands?" Not yet, he answered, but there are fairer things in Armenelos than a man could find elsewhere, even in the lands of the Eldar. But mariners are men of two minds, at war with themselves, and the desire of the sea still holds me. And as he as he says this, uh, Arendus believes that these words are
0: directed at her. Um. So from this point on, she just falls so in love with Alderion. He's everything to her. He's just... The moon, sun, you know, the moon and sun rise from his butthole, as
1: they say. Sun shines out of his sun, ass. Yeah, is that what they say? The sun the, shines out of his uh, ass. It's not the moon
0: rises out of your <laughs> asshole? No? <laughs> no, but we should definitely coin that. I mean, it kind of makes sense. But yeah, she was out of the dating game. She didn't seek men uh, at all and dismissed all suitors.
1: Yeah, she was totally smitten by him and she was just going to wait for him. And she did wait alderian was gone for seven years
0: yeah but when he does return in seven years time alderian brings back many treasures um but metal kind of kind of disses him and says you know i would rather had my son by my side than all these cool elven treasures like i don't need gold and silver he tells him right to his face he's like we don't need gold and silver we got it i want
1: you back here with me yeah they get in a bit of a disagreement at that And uh, Meneldor says that Alderian has to stay and learn more about the land and its peoples if he's going to be king of it. And he pressures Alderian to take a wife so that they can provide an heir, so they can keep this whole ruling business keep going. And he also reminds Alderian that, like,
0: hey, we were gifted this island and we live here by the grace of the Valar. Right. It's a pretty great place. It's a pretty great place. Like, why are you always trying to leave it all the time?
1: And uh, uh, this whole conversation just doesn't go well, and it really pisses Alderian off. And he doesn't talk to his dad for a while. And he goes out, and he lives out on his houseboat, Ambar. And he spends a lot of time with the Venturers again, and they're pretty happy about it.
0: Bros, 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 bros.
1: <laughs> and they get
0: together, and they build a crazy huge ship. A new ship. A new ship that they call Peleron, uh, which means the Far Wanderer. But during this time that he's estranged from his father, Eldarian and Arenda see each other quite a bit. And this was kind of manufactured low-key by the queen, you know? You know how your, your mom, when like try to do that, try to set you up with somebody? She's like, oh,
1: Joel really likes this girl over here. Maybe I'll invite her over for dinner or something. No, actually, my entire life has been quite the opposite. The opposite? Yeah, no. I wasn't allowed life. to hang out with girls <laughs> for a very long time. That
0: was my life as a child. <laughs> well, anyway, I... I from what I read, moms do that.
1: <laughs> My understanding is. <laughs> My understanding. Neither of me or Joel had a normal childhood, so it's fine. But uh, Aldarian's mom's pretty sweet, trying to set him up, and it looks like it worked out pretty well. She hoped that Orendis and Aldarian could, uh, I don't know, work things out, and maybe it would cure Aldarian's restlessness. Maybe he wouldn't want to leave the island so much. But Meneldur actually points out the difference between
0: lifespans and notes that it could be a huge problem in their relationship, especially the way Alderion likes to leave for seven years at a time.
1: Yeah. Like, keep in mind, like we said, she's from the line of Bayor. They don't have those, cool, they have extended lives, but not quite as extended as the line of kings that Alderion comes from. So yeah. he's going to be alive for a lot longer than she is. But when that dope-ass boat, Paloran, is finished, Alderion means to set sail yet again. And this really
0: pisses off Meneldur. But he ultimately agrees to not use his power as king
1: to stay him. And that's only because his wife, Almerian, made him. Yeah, otherwise he would do it again. And that brings us to a, uh, a little Numenorean tradition. This is one of the things I loved about this story, since it's one of the only stories we get out of Numenor. We get a little more about Numenorean culture. Yeah, it's kind of cool. So there's a tradition that the Numenorean ships that set sail fr- uh, off away from the island, uh, when they set sail, a female member of the captain's family places a wreath called an "Oiolerie." I think it's, yeah. No... Oil li-ray. yeah. I think, I think that's oil lyre, yeah. Oil li-ray. and they put this
0: on the bow of the ship. It's it's a bow that they put on the bow. Isn't that funny? <laughs> I used the word wreath in this part of the thing because it says bow of the ship, and I didn't want to get confused.
1: They put a bow on the bow. Yeah, yeah. So it's just kind of a, a nice uh, traditional ceremony, just a, a sending off of the ships, and this signifies the ever summer. It's a token of friendship of Ase and Oinen. So presumably it kind of gives you the favor of the sea gods, gives you, you know, a better journey.
0: But Meneldur bans all the female members of Eldarion's family from placing the bow. and he refuses On the bow, yeah, placing the bow on the bow. Isn't English stupid? (laughs) Is there any English as a second language people out there listening that's just like, God, this language is dumb. There's like three different bows. Anyway, so he's putting the bow on the bow. There's nobody to put the bow on the bow. Because he basically looked at it as Eldarion was leaving against his
1: will. So Erendis gets the bright idea. She tells the queen that if she could go get the branch to make this, uh, she could bear this wreath to Romana. Yeah, she's like, if you cut the tree and make the bow, I will deliver it for you. Yeah, so she's basically offering to go down in secret since none of the family of Alderian uh, can go. And initially the Venturers were not fans of this whole lack of a ceremony they they really wanted yeah. to make sure that that we get this traditional ceremony done before we go on the trip otherwise you know it's kind of like bad luck but yeah as as
0: they're about to set sail arendis shows up in the harbor And actually says in the text how much she hated the
1: harbor oh <laughs> she really? hated the noises and the sounds of the sights and sounds of the harbor so arendis uh, not having a good first impression of the sea well, I, I suppose it's probably not her first impression but
0: but yeah she's not all about it Um, And Alderian, he greets her with amazement and joy. And uh, she says to him that she comes on behalf of the queen. And Alderian's like, oh, no shit. Cool. And he looks on her with love for the first time. And as they sailed away, he stood long at the stern of the ship, watching Numenor shrink into the distance. And that's the first time they ever mention him doing that, ever looking back as they sail
1: away. He's usually so excited to get going. Yeah. So on this particular journey, it's said that he actually hastened his return and he was gone for less a time than he was supposed to one of the few times he actually cut his trips shorter and when he returned he came bearing many gifts and the best one was obviously for Orendus. and it was a massive diamond yeah and it was given to him by
0: Gilgalad. it was a huge fucking diamond um but menaldur wasn't cool with this uh huge gift because He said it was unfitting of a king's heir to give such a gift, unless it was a gift of betrothal. And this is how how Alderian replied. In gratitude I brought it, said he, for a warm heart amid the coldness of others. He was basically like, since y'all were being dicks, she was being nice, so she got the good present. Get over it.
1: Rubbing it in. So Alderian decides that he's going to leave on another trip now. He's not back for long and he's already kind of had it. And he plans to do more work on his haven, Vinyalande, that he started to construct. And before the winter of that year,
0: Eldarion leaves with seven ships in direct defiance of the king.
1: Yeah, he takes almost all of the venturers with him.
0: Yeah, it's like like almost all of them are, g- are gone. Seven ships, that's significant too, Seven number, uh, number seven.
1: Yeah, and this time the queen didn't dare defy the king and send any messengers down with that wreath. She just kind of let it be. So instead of a messenger of the queen coming to put the wreath on the bow, a cloaked woman delivered the, the bow to the bow, <laughs> saying that it was from, quote, the Lady of the Westlands, a.k.a. Orendis. So Orendis got it done. But right about now, Meneldur is pissed off. Real pissed.
0: So he strips the title of Lord of the Ships and Havens of Numenor from Eldarion.
1: He shuts down the guildhouse on Ambar. Yeah, he straight up closes the shipyards in Romena, and he again forbids any cutting down of trees for shipbuilding on the entire island. And five years go by, and Eldarian returns. But this time
0: with that other significant number. Nine. Nine ships. Because uh, he turns out he built two while he was in Vinulande.
1: And all these ships were heavily laden with timbers from the coast of Middle Earth. He, <laughs> He was just like, I'm just going to bring back my own wood. Yeah. And then as soon as Aldarion finds out what the king did while he was gone, well, now Aldarion's friggin' furious. An excerpt from The Unfinished Tales. If I am to have no welcome in Numenor and no work for my hands to do, and if my ships may not be repaired in its havens, then I will go again and soon. Soon for the winds have been rough and I need refitment. Yeah, and he, he meant that, so he leaves again in the same year. He didn't stay for very long at all. But this time he takes off with only three ships. And only the most hardcore motherfucking
0: adventurers, Like, the core group.
1: And this time there's no blessing for the bow. There's no bow for the bow. How? No secret messengers, no hooded ladies... Yeah, Meneldur straight up forbid all women from entering the haven at Romana. So no women were allowed to get anywhere near the ship. And he literally posts up armed guards there. Like, they're about to slay
0: anyone that... (laughs) Right, you can't bless this ship. What's that? Is that a
1: wreath?
0: (laughs) Who just cuts her down with a sword? Like, Jesus.
1: And this time, Alderian and his ships are gone for so long that people actually start to fear for him. Even Meneldur was really... Uh, uneasy about it he was gone for 10 years
0: yeah and horrendous feared that he had either died or just decided to live in middle
1: earth yeah keep in mind Orendis Orendis is still around throughout all this and she's still waiting for yeah, him. yeah
0: she's still into him still waiting for him it's been like 20 years almost at this point i think 17 years
1: so at this point she asks for leave of the queen she doesn't want to spend more time in the in their the family house and she returned to her home in the westlands
0: so after four more years, making the total <laughs> for this voyage up to 14 years total, Alderian returns. But this time his ships are all fucked up. And he looks like he's really been through some stuff. Yeah, not
1: a whole lot is told about what happened on this particular voyage. But what is known is he first sailed the Vignolande, And from Vinulande, he sailed down the coasts. And he went further than any Numenorean had been yet sailing back north he met some really really bad storms
0: yeah they almost shipwrecked near harad uh which is just south of uh gondor if you if you please <laughs> when they get back to Vinyalande, the seas have devastated it and it's also been plundered by lots of hostile men and this is when we first hear in the second age this is when we first hear this little whisper of things not going well in middle earth like evil men are starting to
1: show up in middle earth
0: to show up in middle earth and like attack Numenorian colonies like what is this yeah what is this
1: melkor's gone
0: yeah this shouldn't be happening so trying to return to numenor he was blown back by the wind three times uh and their winds coming out of the west really against you <laughs> he's also struck by lightning <laughs> yeah that happened too he gets struck by fucking lightning and uh the ship the mast breaks off his ship and uh it's it's no good and they have to like repair it out in deep water yeah and they
1: they do make it back but barely
0: so since he's been gone for so long and it looks like he barely made it back uh menildur, menildur is actually uh menildur is pleased that his son has returned safe through all the hardships but he does
1: rebuke him for his rebellion yeah he says that aldarian caused him to uh, forego the grace of the valar And he also risked the wrath of Ause and Winen, not only on himself, but he risked it on all of the men under his command. So he's basically telling him he was being pretty irresponsible. Yeah, being kind of selfish, yeah. But ultimately, he does reinstate Eldarion's title as Lord of Ships and Havens of Numenor. He's happy he's alive. He's happy he's back. Yeah. He also gives him the new title, Master of Forests.
0: Of Forests. And uh, this is actually where the name Eldarion means. Uh, where it comes from, because he's member, actually, his name is Anardil in real life.
1: So up until this point, he's been going by the name Anardil.
0: Yeah, but when they tell the tale, they always say Aldarion.
1: Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like,
0: like, if you were talking about Feanor in childhood, you'd still say Feanor, even though he might not have been called that yet. Right. Yeah.
1: So we know him as Aldarion, but up until this point in his life, this he is is, what,
0: Yeah, when they start calling him Aldarion, Yeah. Yeah. And that means, of the trees, Aldarion,
1: Literally, of the trees. He's always planting those trees.
0: Alderian's pretty uh, pretty bummed when he finds out that Arendus has left Armenolos. But at the same time, he was too proud to seek her out because he knew he had been a long, uh, way away, or he'd been a long way away, he'd been away for a long time and like, you know, he figured if he did seek her out, it better be to ask her
1: to marry him. Right, because he'd been kind of putting off this thing for a while with her because they've, mm-hmm. they've both... Like, you know, they've both cared for each other for quite some time now, but he's always going off doing his little adventures.
0: Yeah, still not willing to be bound.
1: So he just avoids seeking her out.
0: But in the meantime, he goes to work to repair and neglect the ships and havens and the forests of Numenor.
1: Yeah, he had been gone for nearly 20 years, so there was some massive deforestation that happened because the people without him, for whatever reason, the people, they weren't uh, planting enough trees to make up for what they were cutting down. They didn't have the system down, apparently. Yeah, they didn't uh, know that you should plant two trees for every one that you cut down. It's not really
0: a system as much common sense, I think. You yeah. You should at least two trees for every one that you cut down. Right.
1: Aldarian always planted more than he cut, which was ultimately the point behind it. Yeah. But one day while he's riding in the forest, he comes upon a woman that is cloaked in green with a large white gem clasped at her throat. Initially, he mistook her for one of the Eldar... Uh, which sometimes visited that part of the island. They were on the west part of the island. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but surprise, surprise, it's Arendus. And
0: he felt in that moment the love that he bore for her. And he saw up until now that his life had been, well, sort of empty.
1: So this is the point where he really finally really falls for Arendus. Mm-hmm. He submits. Arendus and Eldarian, they ride back to the house of Beragir, her father. And that is where Aldarian officially makes clear that he is looking for a betrothal with Arendis.
0: But Arendis was, uh, she was kind of leery. Kind of um, leery. Kind of leery. Uh, at the, she was at the right age for marriage and the custom of her people, but she also didn't want to compete with the sea for Aldarian's heart and attention.
1: Yeah, I mean, at this point, she understands that the sea is a pretty big deal for him. She's been waiting for a long time, and he's always... Off going on all these these trips, and he's made it pretty clear that that's like the most important thing to him in his life. Mm-hmm. And she actually states that she will quote utterly defeat the sea. Yeah, she <laughs> she finally decides she's gonna she's gonna do it. She's gonna try to be with him, and she's gonna what does that even mean? <laughs> overcome his love for the sea. She has very violent rhetoric toward the sea. We'll see more of that later. So during this time, Al neglects the ships and the havens altogether. He also doesn't cut down any trees or plant any trees. He just kind of neglects his duties for a while he's totally incaptivated by arendis alderian uh he actually begs arendis to sail around the island with
0: him in ambar and this is to honor the passing of the of a hundred years since the founding
1: of the guild of adventurers and arendis agrees but she really hates the whole thing she's she's not a sailor she doesn't like it and they set sail from romana
0: to Anduniae. And they are greeted by Valandil, the lord of Adunier, Alderion's kinsman. And Valandil's actually the heir of... Um, these are the guys that Isildur and
1: Elendil are related to. Oh, okay. Yeah. He makes a really great feast for them. And at the feast, he actually names Arendus Oenonel, which translates to daughter of Oenon. And she hates it.
0: Yeah, and she spoke aloud to Valandil's wife. And she says, Call me by no such name. I am no daughter of Oenon. Rather, she is my foe. Once again, just hating on Aldarian's love for the sea. And Aldarian goes back again to rebuilding Romena, And there he builds a lighthouse on Toll Uinen, And it's called Calimindon, which means the Tower of
1: Light. And so after his uh, brief time away building this lighthouse, he comes back to Arendus and he again asks for marriage. And she responds with this one condition. I have journeyed with you by ship, Lord. Before I give you my answer, will you not journey with me ashore to the places that I love? You know too little of this land for one who shall be its king. And uh
0: they journey together into the uh the west um which is the like we said is the pasture land where it's mostly farmers and sheep herders. And Arendus says, Here I could be at ease. And then he responds with, Well as wife of the heir of the king, you can dwell wherever you want, baby. <laughs> And then she, she comes back with, well, where will you dwell? And he says, with my wife. And he says, quote, when his labors allow. And then uh, she kind of gets mad, <laughs> a little bit angry. And she says, I will not share my husband with Lady Uinen.
1: So after this encounter, Arendus uh, returns home and she speaks with her mother. And she says that she's having a serious all or nothing attitude about this uh, marriage with Alderian. But her mother tells her that she should share an Alderian's love for the fire of his spirit. You should be happy that he loves something so much.
0: Yeah, and you should try to, try to get into it too, if you can.
1: Support his, his uh, habits, support, er, support his passions.
0: And the queen, who's actually friends with Arendus' mother, hears of this. And she invites Arendus back to Armenelos. Because uh, she's actually pretty afraid that Alderian's going to get depressed and want solace and he'll want to sail away again. Cause by this time he had been ashore for quite a while, and there in Armenelos, she finally reconciled with Eldarian.
1: She finally accepted that they are gonna get married. Finally, finally. So Eldarian and Arendis, they make the uh, significant travel to the Mel- Meneltarma, and uh, the journey kind of—it's kind of—it kind of marks their marriage, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yep, and they, yeah, they travel in silence because, uh, like we, we said in the Numenor episode, only the king is allowed to speak at the top of the Meneltarma. So once their betrothal is sealed, they travel back to Armenelos, and uh, Arend- he presents Serendus to Tarmeneldur as his betrothed. And the king is super excited. Super stoked, bruh. And the entire city parties party and they party only like only tolkien characters can party which i imagine are the best <coughs> type of parties as a gift of betrothal menaldur gifts horrendous
1: with the lands of emaria and uh he builds her a great white house there and Alderian asks horrendous what gift she would want and she says that the gem that he already gave her is the only gem she could ever want and she sets it around her brow and she wears it for a really long time that way and that's when she gets the nickname tar El Stirme, which is the Lady of the Starbrow.
0: And for a time, there was great peace and joy in our metalos. And they even said that the harvest and the fruits that were uh, harvested that year
1: were the best ever on record.
0: And that year was second age, 858.
1: So he's, what, 158 years old now? Yep, 158.
0: That's why I love him, because he was born in the year 700. It's really easy to, to tell how old he
1: is. So pretty much everyone is super happy with this new paradigm, and... Uh, Well, everyone except for Aldarian's venture bros. Bros, bros, bros. I mean, without Aldarian's money and his resources for the Venturer's Guild, their voyages were pretty small and kind of shitty. So they kind of beg him to start tending the forests again so they can start rebuilding the guild and get things going. Because, I mean, the the forests have been neglected for 15 years or so.
0: Yeah, since he he last returned. And Eldarion, uh, he returns to his duties. He starts doing the shipbuilding and the forestry and all the stuff that he normally does. And uh, for a time, uh, Arendis actually comes to the forests with him. But she stops going because she's really sad when they cut down the
1: trees, even though they're planting more trees. She likes the forests, yeah. but she doesn't like when they cut it down. And they've now been betrothed for three years. They're not officially married yet, they're engaged. Mm hmm. And for Numenorians, that's a kind of a weird, weirdly long amount weirdly of time long, yeah. <laughs> to be engaged, especially since it's not like he's been gone or anything.
0: No, yeah, they've just been dicking around for three years.
1: And uh, after three years of this, Aldarian actually resolves to leave on another sailing adventure. And he, tails Arend- and he tells Arendis that they'll get married when he gets back. But this time, he actually wants her to come with him on the adventure. Yeah, why not? And
0: he says he'll build a queen's ship for her. And he will show her the forests of Middle-earth, where or
1: where Orome still hunts. And she just kind of uh, agrees to stay there and wait for him, rather than going. She really is not about the sailing business.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Eldarion sets sail in the spring. And Erendis, this time herself, laid the bow on the bow, and then took a bow. <laughs> <laughs> but... She hid her
1: tears from him. She was crying. She wasn't happy about it. Yeah, she wasn't happy, but she was trying to be supportive. So this time he's been gone. He leaves and he's gone for six years. That's a pretty long time, especially considering three years was a long engagement. And now he's gone. they've been waiting nine
0: years to get married.
1: He's been gone for twice that long. And when he gets back, everyone is pissed at him.
0: Yeah, even his mom is cold to him when he comes
1: back. Yeah, when he gets back, the Venturers are no longer held in very high esteem among the people. They're not super cool anymore.
0: Yeah, and people in general just thought that Aldarian was a huge dick to Erendus because everyone likes Erendus, right. and not everybody likes Aldarian. That's the thing. Like His bros
1: really like him, and he's got a lot of influence, but the people themselves aren't super into Aldarian. And it was kind of a dick move, proposing to a lady... Putting it off for three years.
0: Yeah, dude. It's, and then what just are you doing? dipping out for six. Yeah. Yeah. Should or get off the pot, as they
1: say. Yeah. He was. He said he was gone longer than he had initially planned, but he was uh, getting some serious shit done over in vignolande over in Middle Earth. Because when he got there, he found it totally ruined. And once again, men from uh, some evil men from Middle-earth are becoming increasingly hostile with the Numenoreans and their their, co- their uh, colonies. And he
0: finally seeks out arendis but her reception is also cold. She looks at him keenly, but she doesn't actually come up to meet him. Uh, she finally does uh, ask him to tell his stories, and they um, start talking again, and they soon become close again.
1: Yeah, they're still in love. It's been a very long time. But finally... In the year 870, so he's 170 years old, finally Aldarion and Arendus get married in Armenelos. And the whole city goes fucking nuts.
0: Yeah, they said every house had music, all the streets were
1: filled with men and
0: women singing, there was partying, feasting. It finally happened.
1: And after their marriage, they go on sort of a honeymoon, traveling through the island until they reach Andunier. And uh, when they reach Induniae, there's just a great feast that was prepared to them by Valendil, which we learned earlier was uh, family to Aldarian, And uh, all the Westlands were there.
0: Yeah, literally everybody. Because they all love Orendis. But the morning before the, all this feasting happened, Aldarian saw a ship sail out of the West.
1: It was a tall white ship with white birds flying all around the sails. And this ship was from Valinor. Bum, bum, bum. And a, a quick excerpt from The Unfinished Tales. Thus, the Eldar graced the wedding of arendis for love of the people of the Westlands, who were closest in their friendship.
0: Yeah, and they brought flowers and adornments for the feast. And when we say flowers and adornments, we're talking elvish flowers and adornments. And so. not just
1: elvish flowers and adornments, but elvish stuff from Valinor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which like, is ten times cooler than anything you can get in Middle-earth.
0: Yeah. And uh, I'm feeling that they brought some pretty good booze, too. I don't know about you. I bet.
1: Yeah, they, brought, they probably brought some pretty crazy elvish booze. They brought minstrels and singers, and they sang a ton of songs about the elder days, Gondolin and Nargothrond, and the heroes of the Edain. They always remember this shit. Yeah. And they also brought
0: hella presents. To Alderian, they gave the sapling of a tree. The bark was snow white, and its stem was strong and straight as steel. They actually ask uh, Eldarians, like, I bet you could make a good ship out of this. And they were like, we don't cut them down. We have them for our flowers.
1: <laughs> he looks at the white tree and he th- he's like, oh, this is a real cool <laughs> tree I could build something <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah.
0: And to Arendus, they gave a pair of elven birds and they're songbirds and they had gold feet and beaks. And they sing constantly. And the cool thing about them, they don't repeat cadences. So they eventually, they essentially... Have an ever
1: changing song? Well, like. they compose their own music. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> These are some really sweet birds. Yeah, the Eldar uh, spoke to the birds and basically named Arendis as their master, and they followed her wherever she went. So at this point, they leave Edunier and Dunier, and they travel back to the king's house in Armenilos. Two years into their marriage, Arendis conceives a child, and she bore Eldarian a daughter whom they named. And later she becomes the first
0: ruling queen of Numenor.
1: And she's said to be the most beautiful woman in the line of Elros, period. And this made Arendus very happy because she figured that meant that Aldarion would stick around to try to make a son heir so that they actually had an heir to the throne. Mm -hmm. She figured that would be on his priority list.
0: Yeah, a true anchor baby, as it were. Yeah,
1: because at this time (laughs) the law was that the eldest male nearest in kin was the one that inherited the throne. But ultimately, Arenda still fears that sea longing in Aldarian, and she watches jealously any time he goes and hangs out with his venture buddies. And at one point, he actually invited her to come to Ambar, and he
0: she had this like furious look in her eyes, and he was just like, oh, cool, and he never asked about it again.
1: Okay, so you don't want to come hang out with the Venture bros.
0: <laughs> bros, bros,
1: bros. <laughs> so after five years ashore, he Alderian uh, finally goes back to his forestry business. He needs something to do, so he was often away for days at a time. And uh, but because of his efforts, Numenor was pretty much set for lumber.
0: And he also starts getting back into shipbuilding. And he has this great vision for a ship, uh, and it has sails as great as clouds, and had enough stores for a whole town. And uh, they straight up built it in romana and they called it
1: Turum Fanto, which means the wooden whale. And he kind of did this on the down low. Yeah, uh, let's not tell the wifey about it. Yeah, no. yeah. I mean, at this point, there's uh, there's some bad, there's some some old wounds with the whole sailing and building new ships business. So he doesn't tell Orangus about it, but nonetheless, she hears about it. I mean, how can you really keep a ship that big a secret?
0: Yeah, the wooden whale? <laughs> <laughs> what is that giant piece of wood out there, Alderian? Yeah,
1: it's, it looks like a city. <laughs> It looks like there's stores enough for a whole town in there. Yeah, so one night, basically, when they're having dinner, she uh, passive-aggressively brings it up, and uh, she basically starts sort of talking shit through a smile at him.
0: Yeah, you know how people do that. They, Oh, that's very common in Minnesota. She's like, so are there any trees you didn't cut down today then, hun?" Like that. Like, she's very passive-aggressive.
1: Yeah, she's pretty upset about all the uh, cutting down of trees for this massive ship.
0: And Eldarian pretty much goes ahead and responds to her, I need something to do while I'm stuck here.
1: And she's pretty pissed. I mean, you're stuck here. Oh, man. Yeah, he pretty much gives her the impression that he's stuck here. Stuck here with her. Yeah. Yeah, you
0: You and your fucking daughter. It's not like you have a family, Eldarian. When... And Calame was uh, only four years old. Alderian tells Orendis that he wants to leave again.
1: Yeah, he basically sticks around until her birthday of that year, and he makes a big deal out of it. And
0: she's sad that her father's leaving,
1: but she doesn't quite
0: understand that he will be gone for a very long time.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's she's pretty young. I mean, she's only four years old. Yeah. And when he bids farewell to Orendis on this trip, uh, she mentions how her years are waning... While he is still young, because he's from the line of Elros. Yeah. This, uh, this difference in aging is finally starting to catch up with him.
0: And he's like, he, so, he tells her, he's like, look in the mirror. You're still young and beautiful. All I need is two years, babe. Just give me two years and I'll be back here.
1: And she agrees, very reluctantly. But uh, she basically says, like, she really has a choice. She's like, fine. Like, did I really have a choice in this matter? Go get your two years. And he gets in his new ship. He built another new ship. Yeah, another one. And this one is called Hirilande the Haven Finder. And he leaves without the blessing of Meneldur or Orendis.
0: There's no bow from Orendis. It's actually like one of his buddy's wives that does it, and he's super salty about it.
1: (laughs) And uh, while he's gone on this trip, Orendis becomes very hateful of uh not only the sea but also now the trees Yeah, since she was since that was his thing for such a long time she resents the trees now she used to love the trees see what love does to people guys it's terrible don't fall in love it's poison <laughs> and eventually she left their home in Armenilos and moved back to emiria where she was from and she took her daughter and kalame with her
0: and this is where arendis really starts to get sour she isolates herself and she starts to blame men for pretty much everything and this is uh where our opening excerpt is from in case up until this point you're wondering what the fuck that meant this is what Arendus says about men that's the opening excerpt
1: yeah that's Arendis talking to her daughter
0: yeah there's a uh, because like we said the story's not finished but after the more finished part of the narrative toland had written like a uh like a soliloquy or something that she had said, and it's fucking awesome. If you if you want to read it, it's uh it's super like man hating and stuff, which is great in my opinion. It was it was, it was <laughs> we got a little it was very bitter, here. but yeah, she isolates herself and her daughter from the outside world. There's only women around, and uh, she aimed to bring up her daughter in bitterness towards men. This kind of reminds me of Great Expectations. Did you read that? I hate that book. Oh, yeah.
1: Not for a long time. Yeah. But yeah. Remember
0: Miss Havisham?
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. She raises what, that girl. Sh-
0: yeah. She Havishams the shit out of this girl. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And she, at this point, she also dismisses the elven birds and they sadly fly all the way back to Valinor.
0: Yeah. They're like, you don't want us here anymore? Fine. And so that's kind of the, 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 the symbolic ending of their marriage. I'd say that's when she gave up on oh, it. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, because as you see... This is during that two-year time, too, so mm-hmm. she was just not happy with that. I mean, two years is a really long time. That's not okay. It's just not as long as some of his other trips. Yeah. But uh, when the two years are about up, she returns to our by the wishes of the king. So I guess she's there for him when he returns. And then when two years kind of comes and goes and he doesn't return, that's when she's like, nope, uh, no, we're done with this. And she just moves back home. And never leaves that part of the island again. And she never tells Ankalime anything about her father.
0: Not even his name. Um, and she just makes it lo- look like uh, we were abandoned. Like he's never coming
1: back. <laughs> that, that's more or less what it is at this point. But Aldarian does return. When Ankalime was nine, Aldarian's ship was spotted coming into the harbor. So yeah, he was supposed to be gone for two years. He comes back five years later. Yeah, that's over twice as long. Yeah, yeah. there was no one no one to be seen to greet him when they returned. And uh, he rode to Armenelos and found that his old house was shut and kind of boarded up, and he was not happy about it. So he goes to see Daddy. That's where he goes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and Meneldoer is super, super cold to him, like colder than he's uh, kind of ever been. And he talks to him like he would talk to, uh, it says it's, he talks to him as a king would talk to a captain, which I'm imagining he's kind of talking to him like he's an employee. Right, know? yeah. <laughs> Not his son, but an employee.
1: Yeah, and his dad tells him basically to go home to his wife in Amiria over on that part of the island, because that's where she went when you were gone for so long. Yeah, he
0: actually says, uh, he's like, you should go home to your wife. Or he's like, go home. There's even an exclamation point. There's not many exclamation points in Tolkien, but there is, in this sense, he says, go home. And Eldarian's like, I'm not really sure where that is now. It's kind of a sad moment where he's like,
1: she's in Amaria, go back there. So he goes, and he does meet Horrendous, and uh, she tells him she stopped expecting him back, and she made no preparations for him, and she doesn't join him for dinner, and she makes him sleep out in the guest room. She is not happy. <laughs> yeah, she's
0: not cool with this.
1: The next day, Eldarian,
0: um, he prepares to leave for Armenelos. He's really pissed off. He's like, "All right, fine. This she's she like, I get it. Yeah, I get it. Like, uh, loud and clear. Gotcha." But he also orders his daughter to be back, brought back to Armenelos.
1: Yeah, even though. <laughs> When he meets his daughter, his daughter has no idea who he is. I mean, her mom definitely didn't didn't tell her who he was.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, she
1: had no clue. So, Aldarion returns to Armenilos and gives his father a letter from Gilgalad. This is a letter he brought back over from Middle Earth, and the letter says
0: that uh, there's growing evil in Middle Earth, and that a it's not just the regular evil. It says that it's not just the regular evil men problem. It's a dark. It's a servant of Morgoth that's risen again, and uh, the letter asks them for aid in any way they can to help them defeat this new evil.
1: And uh, we were talking about this earlier. Uh, you were telling me that this is the first time that Sauron is actually mentioned
0: in the Second Age. Yeah, as like the uh, rising to power that he does. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. this is the first time we hear that any evil, any evil lord is coming back since Melkor. Yeah. So
0: Meneldur was uh disheartened by the letter, but he is res- he decides that he will not make a decision and that he's going to give the scepter to Eldarion and let him decide what to do.
1: Yeah, he was really stressed out about this decision, but I don't know, potting it off on his son seems kind of like a cheap move.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like well, it, I don't know. It, it it's like the it reminds me of the, the the Godfather when he's uh he says he's like I will not be the one that make that breaks the peace we've made here today knowing full well that he's going to tell his son to do it when he gives him the the reins gotcha yeah so he just he's just trying to alleviate responsibility so this is kind of where the story of Eldarion the mariner kind of ends this is where we we uh don't really have any more information about him
1: the narrative ends yeah we get up to the point (laughs) where we introduce sauron and now there's an evil there's an evil figure that needs to be dealt with and the king passes kingship down to Eldarion. Because he figures Eldarion will know what to do with it, and then the story ends. Yeah. It's quite a cliffhanger.
0: And what we do know um, is that we do know that um, Eldarion, the mariner, as king, sailed back to uh, Middle-earth numerous times, and he aided Gilgalad in, the str- in his struggle. Um, we also know that Arendus and Eldarion stay estranged for the rest of their lives, and Errendus um, continues to be a hater uh, till the end of her days. And like I said, there's that really long uh, man-hating speech in the end of the story, in the end of the section, which is really cool. Everybody should check it
1: out. Yeah, the story in The Unfinished Tales kind of ends, um, but there's kind of like an outline of this, this way the story is supposed to end. And then Tolkien actually wrote out that speech. Mm -hmm. So we got that in at the end there. Yeah, at least we have that.
0: And also she's one of the characters that it's kind of vague, but uh, she takes herself down to Romana and throws herself in the harbor. So she kills herself. Yeah, it's kind of like not explicitly said, but it says that like people think she killed herself. Interesting. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's kind of a sad end to a long and sad story. Mm-hmm. And
0: it's really the story. It's an interesting story to look at because I, 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 bet you anything. There's going to be two different ways to look at the story: the male perspective and the female perspective. Mm-hmm. So like it's gonna it's gonna polarize people. Like I used to hate Aldarian the most. And then I kind of read this, when I read this again, I kind of hate both of them now. I think they're both kind of selfish and they both kind of suck.
1: Yeah, but I don't think that there's any question that Aldarian was pretty inconsiderate throughout most of this. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's the, and that's her point. Like, he's the dude. They're always, they're always inconsiderate. Mm -hmm. Because they just do whatever the fuck they want to do.
1: But ultimately, Aldarian also dies in the year 1098 of the Second Age. Yeah and we just know when he dies. That's that's kind of it's in the annals of the kings like. So he was 398, so almost 400 years.
0: Yeah, that's a hell of a run. That is a hell of a run. All right, well guys, let's get to our favorite segment of the show. What did
1: we learn on KOT? <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Uh, so, today we were talking about Aldarian the Mariner, Aldarian and Arendis. Uh, so, we got to know the birth and early life of Aldarian and uh, some of the voyages of Aldarian.
0: We learned about his guild of venturers, uh, more voyages, 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 um, and the story of Arendis, her, her background a little bit. And then, we also, what else did we get into, Joel?
1: Well, we got to touch on the new growing threat of evil in Middle-earth. The first word of it, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to talk about the estrangement of Arendis and Eldarian. And then we kind of ended on the
0: origins of uh, Anne Kalumi and her upbringing of the... Man-hating. Yeah, man-hating and uh, shelter, which ultimately, because uh, she gets both sides of it, because she later lives with her dad, that like she, uh, her mom instilled in her being a really strong woman, which is mm-hmm. creates, a, create, uh, creates a great queen.
1: Yeah, she goes on, uh, like we mentioned earlier, to be the first ruling queen of Numenor. And she rules for a particularly long time. Yeah, like 400
0: years or something, right? Like, yep. it's, it's really long. It's a really long time,
1: uh, which is pretty long in in terms of the span of rulership that they have in Numenor. That was a pretty long time for one ruler. She was a really good queen. Yeah. But uh, ultimately, that's all we've got today on Alderian. That's all for today. This was a uh, a really obscure story. I really like <laughs> this, though, just because I like getting more from Numenor.
0: Yeah, I know. It's nice to hear. This is the only, like we said, this is the only story that comes on in Numenor. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. it's just weird to be like, because you learn about the geography and stuff. It's just weird to be like, yeah, they went to Romana and then they went over to Arminolos and like all this stuff. Like, you know, it's a cool story set in a, a cool place.
1: I like that we get to learn a little more about the culture of numenor 2 just throughout the story
0: mm-hmm. oh also as a side note in I-, <laughs> I forgot to mention this when we were talking about it special thing about this story in erindis's uh hate speech in the end of the story she explicitly mentions sex which is the weirdest thing ever because tolkien there's not sex mentioned really at all no
1: never explicitly ever
0: no like she says that they are for uh she says uh for the desires that women are designed for the desires of men's flesh or something like that Mm -hmm. to say the desires of their flesh and it's like that's pretty explicit reference to to sex to carnal activity and that really put me back that we found that in the story it was weird. But yeah, that's something about the story, too. Yeah. Sexy. The is just kind of a little gem in his work. But yeah, guys, thanks yeah. so much for listening. Uh, make sure you follow us on all the social media, the Twitter. Uh, I run the Twitter. Joel runs the Facebook. Instagram is ran by nobody. <laughs> 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 no, yeah. Um, but yeah, and uh, YouTube. We got a YouTube channel. We got all our episodes up there. We got all the videos we've ever made. Um, so yeah, come check us out on YouTube if SoundCloud or or you know iTunes ain't your thing.
1: And uh, don't forget to check out our newest account on Patreon. Patreon, Patreon. Woo. Yeah, if you like to get some exclusive content, go check it out. It's uh, it's really nice. Every penny really helps.
0: Yeah, and it's uh, like it's cool that you get exclusive content and whatnot. We like making the exclusive content. It's really fun. We have a lot of fun doing it. But really, more importantly, it's a way to help us do what we do. And it's a, it's a way for us to get funding from our fans for what we do and uh it's really great and we thank you for it because uh we've already got some patrons so let's thank them thank you for donating to the patreon guys we love you but that's uh that's pretty much it guys i'm uh, i am and have been and will be danny j and i have been and will continue to be joel n and just as always guys remember keep, keep on talking oh and Tuluva.